Another episode of Fast Break Live NBA Podcast. It's your boy Samuel here. I got with me my boy Brian, aka Sway Reporting Live. Say what's up to the people. What's up? What's up? What's up? It's been a rough couple of days for me, but let's get this <laughs> thing going. <laughs> All right, we're going to talk about some playoff basketball. Right now, we're recording this right after Kawhi's legendary Game 6 performance to bring the series back home tied 3-3 winner take all on Sunday right now we're recording this right after that game so i mean what what are you, what are your first impressions right after this after this game well uh to be fair let me let the people know that i did miss the first half but yeah i mi- i made i was able to watch a great second half um when i when i watched it i believe the the clippers were up 3 clinging to a single digit game single digit lead but after watching that third and fourth quarter ah man Kawhi uh (laughs) that is why I picked the Clippers to win this series I felt he probably would have put his his stamp on this series and I think every game he scored over 30 points if I'm correct um but it was great to see uh in turn on Clippers side Kawhi is clearly going to show up every game um, Reggie yep. Jackson seems to be taking the bulk of the shots when Kawhi isn't taking the shot. Um, maybe that's a thing that Dallas has implemented defensively. Uh, PG, I'm not going to say the lights are bright, but um, you're starting to see him struggle in these type of moments. I'm not saying uh, he did. He did. He did have a good recovery in the in the, in the fourth quarter. Yeah, he had a, he had a couple uh, recovery buckets or plays assists that he had, but it's like. It's like when these games come, you can just see it kind of affect him. I don't know if that's a new thing with Paul George, but that's that. On the Dallas side, um, Luka didn't have a great game. Uh, down the stretch, he that looked... That fourth little, quarter was rough. Yeah, down the stretch, he looked a little passive. Um, the announcer said it, talking about um, um how he was trying to uh, not hog the ball down the stretch. But at that point, when the game is in a balance like that, you're, you're, you're the best player. If you got to create for somebody, that's fine. But if you passing up open drives to the basket, which I felt he did a couple times down the stretch when it was still a two-possession game, one-possession game, um, you got to take that shot. And that's kind of the young player growing pains with him because, I mean, Tim Hardaway did have a 27-point game. Uh, what you call it? Porzingis was kind of MIA. I mean, He was he awful. Yeah, he was MIA for most of this series, in my opinion. It seems like Porzingis is no longer a second option. He's more like a glorified role player at this <laughs> point. Like, like for real though. Like I'm, he like, is like he Tim is. Hardaway. Like we forget. I mean, I'm not gonna say we, but most basketball fans forget that when Kristaps got traded to Dallas, Tim Hardaway was in that trade. If I'm yep. correct, and Tim Hardaway looks like the better player. At least in this series. It doesn't even look like he is the better player at this point. Like, <laughs> so, yeah, like, I mean, that's my takeaway. It's great to see a Game 7. Um, I kind of expected this from the Clippers, but it kind of, I'm not going to lie, I thought Dallas was going to win this series, at least based on the last two games. But, of course, one more game left. And, uh, I mean, I'm going to just stick with my pick, Clippers, 
but I would not be mad if they lose. But at the same time, I won't be, you know. It's 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 just ah. yeah, Clippers in seven. I'll say it. I'll keep my pick. I'm not too surprised about what happened just now. Well, it's time for me to talk my shit. Mm-hmm. Um Porzingis, just awful trash basketball player. Like I am so glad that my team traded him. Like I was I was one of the few people that was actually happy when we traded him because I was just tired of the constant like complaining and crying and whining that he did as if he was like some savior to our city. Like he did something here. He did nothing. He's never going to do anything. He's seven foot three for no reason. Like he'd had seven points and like five rebounds in 30 minutes of gameplay today. Like, bro, this is this is a win in advance game and you you just disappeared and you're the biggest guy on the court besides I mean, Boban. Like seven, even Boban took more shots than him. Yeah, like r- ridiculous. Like he's averaging like he's averaging twelve he's averaging twelve point seven points per game in this series, four point five rebounds, one point three assists, and he can't even create his own shot and he's like barely passable on defense. Like he's just all around awful and like people 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 were so anxious so anxious to slander the knicks for trading him calling him max Kellerman on on first take saying oh he could be kareem abdul jabbar he could be the best player in the league like all these ridiculous takes were flying out the window um closing the door on the knicks and here we are now. Everybody's like, "Oh, it's the Tim Hardaway Jr. trade now." No, it's the Chris, it's the Kristaps Porzingis trade. Yeah, and he sucks. He sucks. <laughs> so, like, keep that same energy y'all had. Like, y'all were making fun of the Knicks. Like, keep that same energy. Make fun of the Mavericks when they're about to trade him too, because they're definitely gonna <laughs> do that this off season. Because he's garbage and he's wasting Luca and Tim Hardaway's time. Like they're over here putting in buckets and he's over here just running around doing cardio for thirty minutes on the court and maybe catching a rebound or so. Like, one thing I'll say ridiculous. Before, one thing I'll say before we move on is he's not playing like a seven foot three guy. Uh he plays like he's a shooting guard. Like Yeah, like just taking straight jumpers. Um to his defense. He was smaller in his career, so I kind of get that type of play style. But he did bulk up these past two years, so I thought with that with that added uh, muscle on your body, you would get a little bit more physical. But he seems to be mindset more... mindset is still soft. Yeah, it's like still he's soft. He's, he's still he's still getting he's still begging for these calls every time he goes to the rim. Granted, he might get the contact and not the foul, but if you're a big man, power forward at seven three, it looks like Boban plays more physical than you. And yep. Boban barely gets PT. So if, if if Dallas wants to win that game seven, man, Porzingis is gonna have to hit 20. Like he's I believe he's gonna have to hit 20 along with Tim Hardaway's 15 to 20 and let and and hope that uh uh Doncic has an efficient game, high high twenties, um, high tens and assists. So that's what's gonna have to take because if Kawhi gonna get 40 every night in an elimination game, then it's a goodbye. Yep. $28 million they're wasting on this giant ass loser, yo. Like, <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Uh, one thing, Luca, Luca's not safe from slander, too. He, in the fourth quarters of this series, um, at least before tonight, averaging 2.4 points per game on 22% from the field and 17% from three in the fourth quarter mm-hmm. of, of, the, of this series. And that's just, that's awful. 
Yeah, that's I, awful. I chopped that up to shot selection. He's kind of shot not- selection and just like I think he's fatigued from this play style that he plays. Oh yeah, for the, he brings that the whole upon game. himself. As great as he is as a third year player, he he's brought that on himself because as soon as he got into the league, it, he almost became the franchise. Like I'm not almost, but he is the franchise now. And ever since coming into the league, he's taken uh, broad shoulders from being at the three spot to being at the point guard position now. Yeah, like. Everything's on him, ball in his hands, and the, the way the team is constructed, outside Tim Hardaway and maybe even Finney Smith, who's been knocking down three-pointers, he's not really getting much production. So that's going to have to be a thing whenever their season is over to look at, like, who's going to help Luka. They're going to have to look at that after this series is done or even after their playoffs is done if they decide to get past the, the Clippers. Yeah, for sure. Um, On, 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 on the Kawhi side, because I didn't get to say how, how – how I felt about his game. I mean, like the shots that he was taking, like, first of all, he was hunting Luca. Yeah. I, on, I think it's the first time in the series I've seen it. And like, that's when, you know, like Kawhi is in a zone, like he was actively like hunting an opponent. And like, even after that, he just like, was like, whoever's on me, you getting it like step backs for all of y'all. And he was cashing them. And like, there was one play where he mixed Dorian Finney Smith. And I've never Yo. seen Kawhi mix somebody before with, with like his whack legs. handles. Like, yeah. it's not even the handle. It's the fact that he got just big ass hands. Man. Yeah. And like, he was able to like use the momentum and like, it was just a, it was just weird seeing Kawhi just mix somebody like that. And like, he just had it going and they needed every single one of his buckets down the stretch because like Mm -hmm. their offense was so stagnant because like they were getting, they were getting quality looks with like Kennard in the corner and stuff and like Reggie Jackson, but like no one was hitting anything in like the third and fourth quarters. So it was like Kawhi just realized what time it was. He was like, all right, I'm not going home to these boys. So he turned up and it was just a masterful performance. Like, I, like the shots that he was taking, I haven't seen him like this aggressive with his shots since like probably I'd say Toronto. The, the Toronto series that he was playing in. Yep. Yeah, because that's when, especially against Milwaukee. Yeah, because on Toronto he was the only like legitimate one option. Like he ain't have a Paul George. Yeah, he had Fred Van Vliet who had a crazy playoffs that year, but. And in, in Lowry and Seattle. Yeah, yeah like, that, he was hunting and shot for real in, in those mm-hmm. Toronto series. So, I mean, props to Kawhi. I mean, Kawhi, you know you're going to get with Kawhi. I mean, hopefully they make – hopefully they take advantage of this 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 window right now. It looks like there's a very – if they get past the the the, um, the Mavericks, it seems like they can have a, a decent run to the to the finals at least, I think. Yeah. Um. So, let's get to the other LA team that – wasn't able to force the I'm game seven. Man, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> so first of all, like, shout out to Devin Booker. Like, oh yeah, that, for sure. That man is just like gifted, gifted, gifted basketball league. player. He's 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 what you call a killer. Because uh, even when he was losing, of course, we always knew Devin Booker as uh, someone that couldn't get out, get, couldn't get into the playoffs. But, yeah. um, of course, that I mean, was his squad was whack back then. But. Yeah, yeah, it's because of the acquisition of parts around him. He was the only bright spot for a good number of years. But we always knew he was a bucket getter, and uh, it was on the biggest stage these last six games. Yep, and he and he showed out. I mean, like that first quarter was just something special. Like, yeah, six twenty-two six. points, 
on like eight for nine shooting, six for six from three, I think it was. Yeah. And like, he just had a look in his eyes. Like he smelt the blood in the water. He was like, it's a wrap. Let's, let's end this tonight. And you know, Lakers, Lakers, they just look, they look shook. They look shot. Um, I don't know what doctor cleared Anthony Davis to himself. play, but like himself, there was no doctor. It was himself. Like he has no, if, if it was himself, he has no one to blame. Can't sue for no medical malpractice because my man's was looking limpy and gimpy out there and they attacked him every single possession. Yeah. All and, the first possession. Yeah. First possession. And then one possession, he finally came down wrong. And then that was it. He could not, go along go on anymore longer yeah, that, I was, mean, that was when Devin Booker decided to go left and usually when Devin goes left he pulls up for a jumper but this time with he was the, like nah I'm going for the rack yeah he's going to the rack when he saw the switch on him this was the probably the third time he had that switch that Anthony Davis switch and uh the first one he caught him on a side step step back to the right AD couldn't contest too slow and then right to the rack um what, this is how I knew it was kind of over for at least AD, even though I knew he shouldn't be in the game, period. As soon as, like, AD usually challenges layups at the rim, even when he's beaten off the dribble. Mm-hmm. But as soon as Devin jumped in the air and he tried to jump too, he would even put a hand up. Like, if you watch the replay, he just jumps and then keeps his hands down and just looks for the landing because, as I guess, midair, he felt it. He's like, nah, this ain't it. So... You know, after that he comes down wrong and he just throws the ball down. I think I think he ended I think Devin got fouled on that play, so it was a free throws for a couple. And then after that, he just sat on the on the baseline and it was pretty much over after that. Took him out the game. But um in reference to the Lakers season, how bad we looked, um with me having a night to think about it, because I was very upset last night. I was very <laughs> like for real, like I'm not gonna lie to you, like as a fan, I was upset because I'm looking at all the social media and looking at all the reactions. And it's like, it's like, damn, like, like I get it. You know, the hate is real. Some people want to see LeBron lose. Some people just don't like the Lakers. Some people just don't like Laker fans or LeBron fans. I get it. That's that's sports. And then some people's just getting back for all the, because a, a lot of Warriors fans, they have to deal with LeBron fans and yeah. Lakers fans killing them for like Steph's injury. So, yeah, and, so like, I get it, you know. It, it was a little get back session. It was get back session. But at, at the same time, you got to realize like, I don't, I, I definitely still expected the Lakers to win. Why? Because I thought at least AD would still be some type of healthy. Of course, once that groin injury came, because we we haven't recorded since at least game two, but once that once that groin injury came, I looked at it as this is a lose lose situation. Because one, if the Lakers win this game and go to game seven, right? There's another debate of will Anthony Davis play or not. I don't think he was going to play. I should. I don't think he should have played game six, but let's say we won game six without him and he came back for game seven and we win game seven. We have, we're going to have to do this all over again against Denver and the way Denver was playing, they might as well have really about to light us up from three or at least light us up period. So yeah. the, the Lakers were in a lose, lose situation because their second best player would still be hobbled with an injury, almost more nagging than the one he had earlier in the season. And then the best player on the team just isn't 
isn't at full speed. You can tell LeBron is not at full speed. I was on record of saying he's coasting, which I believe he was because you can't you can't put all that effort offensively. I'm not saying you shouldn't be giving effort, but you can't put all that strength into getting buckets and then you can't guard on the other end and then you can't you can't set up everybody else. LeBron uh it's being a LeBron fan sucks in this point because he was deferring 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 like all right guys let's go super let's go. passive he like, was he was trying to do that oh let me get everyone else involved thing and like dude you see the squad you have around you you think Kyle Kuzma is gonna like get your team rolling in 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 game six in in the playoffs like don't don't get it twisted though earlier I know this is regular season but what people forget was we were on a roll before the James Harden trade like literally on a roll. Like I believe the I wholeheartedly believe this team still could have got to the finals, but it was just a difference in energy um compared to midseason and then playoffs. Like once because I, I never forget it. LeBron literally LeBron and the Lakers literally embarrassed the Rockets that night, hitting hitting turnaround three pointers and whatever. Next few days, James Harden gets traded to Brooklyn. And then what probably a couple of weeks later, um, I forgot uh what you call it. Anthony Davis goes down first. Then after that, LeBron goes down with a with, with thanks to Solomon Hill. So the season really flipped in about three weeks. And after those injuries, you can just tell um they were never the same again. This isn't. This sounds like an excuse, but it's just facts. Like, <laughs> it, it sounds like an excuse because you know Lakers fans was talking hot on Twitter, like "Yo, we about to run through the yeah. West. We about to repeat, yeah. blase, blase, blah. We about to smoke the Suns. This because that, that the was third. the impression. That was the impression that even though we came back a little hobbled, we wouldn't. We weren't expecting another injury. Like LeBron, at the end of the day, Le- people can say what they want about LeBron, but a hobbled LeBron still puts fear in people's eyes. So that's as soon as Anthony Davis goes down, it's like, oh yeah, it's like, oh yeah, we got one. You feel me? So ah, it it, it hurts as a Laker fan and as a LeBron fan just to see the slander because it's like, bro, all right, you know, we lost in the first round, finally. You know, now y'all can't say that about us, but don't make it seem like we weren't the best team in the league at one point with while healthy clippers clippers aside brooklyn nets aside because what one thing people also forget brooklyn did all season brooklyn just got healthy that's all they did all season kevin Durant goes down a couple of times james harden tweaks a hamstring he he decided to stay for he started to not play for about 20 games kyrie in and out of the lineup so don't get it twisted brooklyn got healthy all season and, you know, they're probably going to reap the benefits of that, you know, knock on wood. But and just to keep it on the Lakers side, uh, it's sad. They didn't look good. After game five, I kind of, at least halfway through game five, I'm like, yeah, y'all, y'all dudes don't want to be here no more because AD's gone. LeBron's by himself. And then the other guys, once, once they're not going, LeBron sees that and he's like, oh, time to pout. Like, when he starts doing that and not getting back on defense and just, like looking at the ref, like really, yeah, he, like, he, that's that's when, that's when he gives up. Yeah, He's like, like I'm that's done. A, that's a literal like sign over the past few years. Once he doesn't get back on defense at least two possessions in a row, 
that they don't make a bucket, it's like up. And there was one possession yesterday where he didn't even get back on offense. Like he just yeah. stayed in the backcourt. Like I was like, I was like, okay, dude. I haven't seen this. I haven't seen LeBron <laughs> look like this. Like really, like I'm done since last year in Cleveland, maybe, and then even before that, I probably haven't seen that since last year in Miami, where he's just like, you know what? All right, guys, this ain't it. Y'all not here? Then fuck it. I'm not gonna be here. Excuse my language, but like, like ah, it, it's a bad hit. Duh, does he look worse as a player, legacy wise, after this? I don't think so. Nah, not really, but you know, it's still like it still looks bad when you like give up on the court and stuff. Oh yeah, because sure. like, first of all, my thing with this Lakers team, it was always poorly constructed. Um, you think so? I think yeah, especially like it's poorly constructed because it's solely de- it's solely dependent on the fact that Anthony Davis and LeBron are healthy. If one of the two are not healthy, the the, the roster just doesn't work. So those two have to be healthy at all times for the roster to work at its utmost capacity. So like once AD went out, like you have a bunch of either scared or mid shooters around LeBron and like you got like a washed, you got like washed Mark Gasol, who's like still somewhat useful. Andre Drummond, you you got Andre Drummond, who's whack. You got Montrezl Harrell, who's unplayable in the playoffs, basically. Like, it's it's just it was just a recipe for like a disaster, and like you had LeBron and eighty to shore up all those mistakes, and like you had KCP going cold, you had Wes Matthews going cold, you had Dennis Schroeder who's just turned into a whack basketball player in the in the playoffs. Like all of those things would have been max masked. Ugh, I can't even speak masked if um LeBron and AD were healthy and they weren't. So a lot of those discrepancies and a lot of those weaknesses were brought to the light. That's why I just thought like this roster was never going to be um fully utilized, especially once one of the two were either gimpy or hurt because that's it at, at that point. Yeah. Uh, what they missed or what the lesson that they learned in comparison to last year's championship team was size and the dominance of their size. JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard were very big key parts in this. In this, um, And you saw it when AD wasn't in the game, DeAndre Ayton had a field day, at least yeah. for the most part that he was when he was in the game. And I was never a big fan of the Marc Gasol acquisition when we first got him. I looked well, at him. Marc Gasol is actually our best big, to be honest, because yeah, like, I mean, he's he the pre- best defender. He's the best passer. He's I the don't best know shooter. About, I don't know about best defender because they – they cooked him on the pick and roll. Well, yeah, in the pick and roll, he's awful. But like as a like a as a rim protector, he's the best one y'all got. Yeah, yeah, he's the best one we had. But that's the problem. Our old Mark Gasol is the best rim protector we had. Exactly, and that's my point. Is like the 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 flaws in this roster. Like they were all masked masked when AD and and LeBron were healthy because you have AD as a, as a, as part of that back line too. So that way you don't have to rely on Mark all the time. So it's like Mark but, is just there as like insurance. Yeah, I mean, but. I mean, at the end of the day, I said this last time, Mar- Montrez Harrell got to get some PT, though. Undersized, I don't care. But, like, he, you got to. He's even worse in, like, the pick and roll. And, I mean, he gives you energy and all that. But we saw what the Nuggets did to them last year. He diced them yeah. up. Like, yeah, they, they diced them up. But the only way the only way Montrez is able to be Montrez is him getting a chance to showcase that energy. He became unplayable last, last year because the, 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 the Clippers just said, you know what? We're going to go small with Dallas. 
the Lakers could have still went semi small within the line with him in the lineup, but Frank Vogel just didn't decide to play him. I get it, he's undersized, but you can't go like the way the season has gone, you have to prepare those guys that are below AD, even below LeBron. Like all those guys, they can't just sit on the bench, you know, talking trash or just um lifing up the team. You have to at least put them in the game and Montrez Yes, undersized, but at the end of the day, he won six man of the year for a reason. So at least put him that, in the that, game. That was that was regular season hoops from from uh, Trez when he won that though. So I mean, I mean, regular season hoops is regular season hoops, but at the end of the day, postseason is where you elevate, and we haven't had a chance to see Montrez elevate in a Lakers jersey. So the Clippers is the one thing. Like I get it, he got baked last season from the Clicker, the Clippers in the in the postseason, but. It's a different team and a different mindset. You have to at least put him in the game. Like at the end of the day, you putting in, you putting in Mark Gasol, who's an older guy. Yeah, he stretches the floor, but he can't do nothing defensively. And then you got Drummond, who was unplayable for two games, if I'm correct. Just unplayable because. in general because he's just awful, awful then, finisher, like, awful defender. Like you just don't play him, and then then and then look, you got you got eighty out. And then you don't even play Montrez until you're down 30. Like, I don't, that mindset doesn't make sense to me. At least go down swinging with everybody in your toolbox. But that's the uh, Lakers losing this, this year. I mean, I wasn't surprised, but the way it happened surprised me. Um, but I'm not mad. These guys just came off of a finals and. They just didn't have it. You can see their bodies just didn't have it. So it is what it is. On to the on to the next season. You got to retool. See, you got to look in the mirror if you're LeBron James. You got to look in the mirror if you're Anthony Davis. Why you hurt all the time? And Anthony Davis can't even help it anymore. Like that's just that's just you, part of him. I like, don't think. I mean, he could he can't help it, but he could minimize the the ticky tack. Like it's literally there's some injuries where he just he goes up and comes down and he's. I don't know. Maybe he needs to take care of better care of his body or something but like yeah th- what what this has shown me is like as lebron gets older you know and like he's accumulating more mileage on his body and like of course these injuries aren't going to help as well um they they need someone else to like help out in the scoring department because you have you need someone to like you can't have lebron carry do carry jobs anymore now that's at this fact. point in his career, no more so you cats. need someone else to like help him carry that load. And Anthony Davis isn't isn't if he's not healthy enough to do that. You need to find someone else that can help shore that along, or else you're gonna end up in situations like this far more often because you can't really rely on Anthony Davis because he's such a risk. I think it, uh, he is a risk, but I just feel like it was emphasized this year with the with the quick turnaround and then condensed games. And then I don't think he himself got fully healthy after the bubble because, remember, he was a little injured and nicked up in the bubble. Yeah, he did have a couple a uh, couple lower leg, lower leg injuries, but he probably himself never got fully healthy in terms of LeBron. We saw that he was able to at least have his body come back to a certain point where it's like, okay, I won't get injured again, but I'm going to still be hobbled until I get healthy. AD got injured again and then again and then again. So there's something going on there. The Lakers going to have to fix that. Shout out the shout out the Suns for real because uh, CP3 was also injured, came back, and even though he only had like eight points last game, 
those were probably the biggest the biggest of them all were probably the six or four he scored in the fourth quarter along with those few assists. Yeah, those were key buckets. So at the end of the day, CP3 was able to to play through those injuries or at least still be playable while injured on the court. And that's all you can ask for from one of your best players. And the Suns were able to do that. Uh, they're going to look great going into this next series. Yeah, they got all the confidence. Their young guys are super confident right now because they've been able to showcase that they can, um, like especially their wings, like Mikel, um, Cam, yeah, Mikel, Craig, Crowder. They all feel confident now heading into this Nugget series because they've been able to like battle against LeBron and AD for however long they've been able to battle against those guys in that series. And they're going to feel really confident going against the shorthanded Nuggets team who put the beats on on um, on Portland these last couple games. So it's going to be a very fun series because it's like it's good. It, these playoffs have become more fun in general because like there's just a lot of these younger younger guys taking over now. Like you got all these young stars that have taken over since the first round. You got like Ja, Trey, Book, Tatum. Jokic, Mitchell, they, you got all these young young guys coming up, and they're taking over as all these older guys are. Um, yeah, we're we're in that phase where it was about uh, let's call it between oh seven to two thousand ten, where we were now getting the new superstars as the older guys from the nineties started to fade away, just like how uh, like in oh seven and oh eight. I think that was, I think if I'm correct, KD got drafted like oh eight. 07, um, I think. Yeah. yeah. So, like, and then around that time, LeBron was in the playoffs. D-Wade was in the playoffs. Carmelo was battling with Kobe in the West. Like, yeah. so this is, it's been about some time now. So now this is the year of those young guys that were drafted about three, four years ago. If their teams did good by them, they're now in the playoffs. So, hey, uh, it's, it's beautiful to watch. Um, but it's hard to watch if your favorite player is getting old. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it, yeah, man, the young guys, they're showing out. They, they, they're, they're part of the social media era. So they're going to make sure that they talk their trash and then give it to you on the court. Um, but yeah, I mean, let's talk about, uh, um, how your Knicks, <laughs> your Knicks, I see you ducking that 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 uh. Nah, that, uh, I was, I was, I, that was actually my next topic. Um, so yeah, um, I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna let you take over for that one. <laughs> my Knicks, they lost in what you call it in five. Not the way we wanted to go out, you know. I rather have. I rather if we were gonna lose, we go out in six. You know, at least take care of things on the home court. We came out. Offense was a little bit better this this in that final game, but it still felt like a little like. I still had that eerie feeling like this is like not going to be good enough. Um, Trey didn't, Trey didn't even have a good game too. Like he was like doing all these three theatrics at the end of the game, but like he was doing his fouling BS this game. He, 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 he kept it honest hoops for like most of the series, which I give him props for. But like that last game was just a, a shit show of like, the refs being on BS. And I'm not saying that's the reason why we lost, but like that, that type of stuff kind of bothers you while you're already losing. Like there's no reason for the extra help, but um, yeah, he didn't even have a good game. And like, I felt like that was our perfect opportunity to take, take advantage of things. Um, But yeah, this, this, this series kind of revealed some, um, 
some things about the the Knicks going forward. I mean, they're a young team. For um a lot of the, these guys getting their first taste of the playoffs, um, but there was a a talent discrepancy between the two teams that just wasn't really accounted for during the regular season, um, and just like defensive scheme wise, um, Nate McMillan flooded the strong side every time Julius caught the ball, so he basically didn't have much passing lanes or much like lanes in general to like score and like. Julius, he he kind of like made things worse for himself by overthinking things and like just like being kind of like lazy or sloppy with certain decisions that he was making. But like Thibs also didn't do him any favors in this series, I feel like, because like I have been pleading on Twitter for since like game two, go small because they're igno- Capella's ignoring Noel. Please put someone out on the floor that he has to honor from at least 15 to 20 feet out. Like, even if he's not going to space the floor, like, put someone out there that's going to, like, make Capella have to honor him. And, like, Dibs never did that. And that's part of the reason why Dibs gets a bad rep is because, like, he's one of those coaches that's, like, really rigid and really, really stubborn. And, like, he really won't change things unless it's, like, really desperation mode. Um, Like, he did make some changes like he took Alfred out of the rotation a little too <laughs> late I think it was because <laughs> really like yeah like he took him out of the rotation after like one and a half games of him playing like absolute garbage and like we could have won game one if we started off with like Derek Roseman probably or even quickly minutes um but yeah like he he waited too long to adjust and like have Taj and Derek Rose start he, he he waited too long to have Reggie put on Trey. I mean, I don't think that really mattered that much because Trey still got what he wanted regardless, and that speaks to, like, the talent that we have on our team um, defensively that we need to improve with a, a better point of attack defender. Um, But, yeah, I mean, they this is what the Hawks spent their money on. Like, they went out in free agency. They spent their cash. Um. They paid Bogdanovich and Gallinari for long-term deals. Um, they have Cap- they have Capella on like a solid two or three more years. I think they're gonna have to pay Trey and John Collins really soon, or like this offseason at least. So, like they had to pay to make this team. And I mean, the Knicks they they grab guys on the bargain bin. A lot of these guys are on vet mins, vet minimums, and like cheap deals. Um, and we got a lot of guys on our rookie deals still. So, I mean. They paid for this team to get to where they are, and props to them for doing that. Although I hate majority of the players on their team, especially John Collins and Kevin Herter, <laughs> but um, and Click Capella, um, but um, I mean, yeah. When we look at this series, though, uh, you couldn't really take Capella out of the paint. I mean, unless he got unless he got somebody on a switch, that's one thing. But in terms of putting somebody in the game from the Knicks standpoint that would take out Capella from the paint, I can't in, really I can't really see anybody. I mean, maybe Obi, but yes, play Obi and Julius at the four and the five. I don't care what risk it per, uh, it pertains you, you, on the defensive end. Obi topping, you want Obi taking all those jump shots. That's that was that's what I was asking because. That's yeah. the only way you're taking Capella out of the paint. You want him I, taking those jump shots? Um, I think I think I don't I don't even think they put Capella on Obi. 
I think they probably put Capella on Julius. So that's, yeah, but, but Julius with with Julius not playing as good as he was, especially since Game Two, it's like he's not having a good shooting night. So even with Capella on him, I don't think he would have. I mean, stepping out if he's literally man on man, I get it because Julius can bring him to the top of the key and then create offense. But it's like it, for me, it just it just opens up the floor because um, with Noel in the paint. Capella just ignores him and then roams the baseline basically and just able to move nah, yeah, whatever. Yeah. He's doing if a lot you, of roaming. Yeah, exactly. So if you put like an Obi out there with Julius, the floor is spread out basically to five out basketball and no one can stand in the paint because you're going to get a three seconds. So I feel like that's that's the type of change that would have helped. It would have opened up the court for Julius, probably opened up more passing lanes, more um, driving lanes to score. Like they can't clog the paint if everyone's spread out across the three-point line. So I just feel like changes like that would have made a difference. But, I mean, we'll see what, what what Dibs does next year with a probably reasonable talent upgrade on the roster. Yeah, and, you got a point guard on the way. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we have to upgrade the point guard spot. I think we also have to upgrade the, the starting wing spot next to RJ, whether mm-hmm. it's the two or the three. Um, And then we got to upgrade probably, like, we gotta upgrade the bench a little bit, I think, as well. Just like oh, nah, add, nah, yeah. add add more creators and like hopefully quickly and, and RJ and Obi all take another leap in their development and looking at another playoff ex- appearance next year. So yeah, the future's I, bright on our end. We got tons of cap space. We got a whole bunch of draft picks. So hopefully I use a cap space wisely. I mean, we've been doing that the last couple of years. It's just been we've been spending on cheap deals. I think now is the time that we finally like my cash in <laughs> cash in on like longer term deals for more stability and more continuity but uh i mean on the on the atlanta on the atlanta side um this was a uh great first series for your young star and trey young um he took he took the battles he took the the jeers of madison square garden he took the pressure of having to beat an up-and-coming Knicks team as he is up-and-coming himself. So that is great to uh, acknowledge. Um, he has a tall task ahead of him in the next series. I hope the Sixers smoke him. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen, buddy, just because of health. Um, hopefully, Joel Embiid is healthy for most of this series. But if he's not, I believe Atlanta uh, – Philly's on upset alert if Joel Embiid isn't properly – uh, healthy with that slight meniscus tear he got in his knee. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't see it. You don't see it. Mm-mm. I mean, the way Trey shoots the ball, and yes, Ben Simmons might have him on clamps. Ben for a Simmons, Stiebel, Danny Green. They got oh. multiple bodies. Throw it. Yeah, they got so. multiple bodies and and scoring options just to combat that. But that's probably my upset alert of the second round. But uh, it seems like that's everybody's upset alert. I, I don't see it just because like they don't have someone on the inside like Capella. Okay, he he can punish you, but like I feel like they don't really, not need really anybody on the inside. All they gotta do is drive to the rim. Because once if Joel this, this I'm only saying this if Joel is not in the game because oh, of course. Uh, without Joel, this team the the Philadelphia 76ers, at least offensively is a lot more run and gun, which mm-hmm. plays to the advantage of Atlanta. Cause that's all they did with you guys when you when they tried to when you guys tried to keep them in a half court setting they they were able to still run up and down yeah um 
So that's going to play to their advantage. Would they be able to contain the guys like Tobias and others? Uh, that's to be seen <laughs> because I know Tobias is on a mission lately. <laughs> Not even just like on a mission. Like, sure, you can say whatever you want about like Gallinari and Collins, how they guarded Randall. I don't think they'll be able to do that flood the strong side stuff against Philly, where they've able to like send guys to like Rome, basically. Mm-hmm, yeah, like, they got I've, Curry and Danny Green ready to ready to shoot. Exactly. So I feel like you have to honor those guys. Um, and then, like, I feel like Tobias can handle his own against Gallinari and John Collins. Like, those guys are not oh, yeah, easy. threats on yeah, defense. They're not, like, yeah, they're not threats. But their numbers look better now in the playoffs on defense because... Just because of what happened with the first round series. Yeah, and they were able to like send doubles and triples and those st- those stats don't take it into account, which is so weird because like it makes Gallinari and, and, and Collins look like prime Igodala from Golden State. Like <laughs> it's ridiculous. Uh so you know, but um I mean for Atlanta they they they, they deserve this win. They were the better team in the first round. Yeah. Um we'll see if that's the same in the second. But uh, just great things from Trey. Just another part of that young player tree that we've seen this whole first round playoffs that have put themselves on the map. Um, but in, in terms of young players, would you like to go into uh, Memphis, Utah real quick? Um, yeah, I mean, that last game was just like a smoke session. It was a blowout, like a little disrespectful kind of. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, just, but... I, I just wanted to say that. Uh, Utah definitely went undefeated since getting their superstar back. Yep. I think that is kind of that needs to be paid attention to a little bit more. Uh literally as soon as they come back 4-0, Dylan Brooks looks like he can't like he was just he couldn't shoulder the load of guarding their best player and then putting up 20. So that's kind of where I thought the series turned because Donovan Mitchell looked at that matchup and said, "Yo, you you can't mess with me." So all that stuff we were talking in game 1 try to back that up and he couldn't. So that's kind of why it was a quick series for me. Michael Conley probably took this series a little personal. Of course. Of course, with it being his uh, older team, his his team he's basically spent his whole career with. Uh, it looked like he was, I felt like he averaged about 20 and 10 all series. I could be wrong on that, but his assist numbers were very high and he was actually inefficient for a guy that's been injured or just n- not really producing the way we thought he would on this Utah team. So it's great to see that. Uh, John Morant had a good coming out party first round, first round. Yeah, he averaged 30 and in in 30 and 8, I believe it was. Yeah, so it, that just shows he'll be back. And, you know, I mean, that's how that's kind of what I wanted to say on it because the way Donovan just came out and said, let's shut that down right now, uh, it's not surprising. But for those that were questioning if he was healthy, that's now out the window. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I caught a couple of these games. This wasn't one of my major series I was really tuning into just because I kind of had a feeling it was going to end up like this, especially since Donovan came back. I was like, these games, I mean, they're going to be close and they're they're probably going to be really fun. But like at the end of these games, Utah really showed their like experience and like they shut everything down from Memphis in the fourth quarter for like games three and four at Memphis. Like Memphis was making like runs in the fourth quarter 
And Utah at a certain point was like, all right, we're the one, we're the number one seed. We're not having this. And they just yeah. they just shut everything down. They came down the other end. They just scored buckets. Memphis could not stop them. And it was wraps. And then we can't they came back home for game five and it was over. They was like, Y'all can't <laughs> hang with us. It was really over. Like I I probably they were kind of waiting on Steph, but once they, <laughs> once they realized Memphis was here, it was like, all right, let's get down to business. Let's not play with these boys too too much. And, you know, whoever comes out of the Clipper Dallas series, uh, this might be a seven game series between whoever Utah plays. Oh, for sure. Yeah, that might go seven regardless. Even with them um, being the number one seed, the Clippers we already know can be a very can be a can be a high force with when both of those guys are going. And then of course we see what Luca is doing, all this magic. Well, let's see if his magic runs out or not. But that whoever the Jazz plays, seven game series off the off the bat. Yep, and I mean, um. With Memphis, they just got to figure out how to keep building on this. I mean, the fun part is over now. They now will have expectations heading into next season. Same with um, a team like the Knicks. So mm-hmm. the fun's over for now. There, there's expectations next year. So time to really pull up your bootstraps and get to work. So um, let's move on. All right, so... Last two series we got to talk about. I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of drama going on with these with these series. Do do, do we do we want to do we want to go to Boston first? Uh, with the the way Boston lost, not even the way they lost. It's just like the stuff after that happened. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, with uh their coaching staff and you know, okay. I mean, we could tap into that a little bit. Uh, I don't think it's a it's a big it's a it's it's a story though. How do I how do I put it? Because it's like I think I don't know if I said it on my podcast or yours, but I did say that Brad Stevens, uh, we don't know if his coaching style would be uh, not his style, but his voice to those young guys were going to be legitimate, at least stuck in their head, because you clearly saw throughout most of this season that it was either Jason Tatum get buckets or Jalen Brown. It didn't seem like it was a team effort. Um, of course, COVID really messed up all of their season, but Mm -hmm. with Danny Ainge stepping down from basketball operations, I kind of was not ready for that. Yeah. That one caught me by surprise too. I was at work and then I peeped my phone and I was like, oh, oh, like it's, it's that bad. (laughs) And then to, to make things kind of not worse, but confusing is the fact that their head coach gets a promotion and gets that same position. I I don't know how you do that. Um, I guess because Danny Ainge and Brad Stevens had a working relationship, so I guess that's where that comes from. But um, but bro, like what what Stephen A. Look, I I know Stephen A. Gets a bad rap when he brings up race, but yeah, because like, like other occasions, like he's really wishy washy on it and. Yeah, like I, I get that because one second he brings it up, one second he doesn't, or he just doesn't bring it up the way he usually does. But I do think he has a point here when he says, like, black head coaches not getting the same opportunity or just black uh, head coaching staffs for people in front office. Because I cannot remember 
a time a team had a season like this, their basketball, their president of basketball operations steps down, and then the head coach goes to that position because he is quote unquote tired of coaching or tired yeah. of stress. Like that was reported. Like I, yeah, I know. I saw that when I saw that. I was like, I'm like, uh, like that's, okay. So you were tired, so you got promoted to a lesser day to day job. That's crazy <laughs> like that does not happen i i in my in, in all of my time of covering basketball like we're just gonna stick to basketball because that's where we're at. so in my time of covering basketball like legitimately looking at the ins and outs of basketball i've never really seen that before or heard about it so when when you hear this you have to kind of think about race i don't want to make it all about it but it's like you're never gonna see a black head coach going to go into that position Doc Rivers, you're not seeing that. Ty Lu, I doubt you will ever see him go into a higher level position for the next five years because it just doesn't happen. Um, they probably yeah. need a scapegoat though, because at least where what do you who do you blame this season on? COVID? COVID ain't really a real thing, at least physically. It's more of an airborne type of thing, sickness. So you can't put all the blame on COVID. So it's like, what do you do? And I don't know where the Celtics go from here. Maybe Danny Ainge was just, he probably looked at himself in the mirror and said, okay, I couldn't pull the trigger on some of these potential trades that I could have had over the couple of years. So maybe someone else could. But I don't know how that someone else can be the same guy that was just coaching these guys for the past six seasons. Like, I don't, that is, everything about this confuses me. I don't know where the Celtics go after this. Um, yeah, they're, like, they're, I don't know how you feel, but go ahead. Yeah, they, they're a weird situation. Um, going forward, like first I gotta see who the coach is. Then I gotta see the moves that Danny makes. Like, who? I mean, not Danny. Boof. I'm so used to saying Danny. What yeah, Brad right. makes? <laughs> <laughs> I had to see what moves on um, Brad makes as like in regards to like who does he trade? If he trades Kemba, Kemba seems cooked right now. Um, he's had some good performances, but like he's always almost always injured now. So there's that. And then we got to see what he does in the draft. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's so, it's, it's, it's a weird, it's a weird thing. We, we don't really see the head coach to um, president of basketball operations pr- promotion that often. Um, I think the last time that happened was um, with Danny Ainge himself in Phoenix. So it's, it's not something that happens really often. So yeah. yeah, I don't I don't I don't even know what to make of it. Like I'm still I'm still at a loss of like what to really say about it and like it's been a couple of days now, so Yeah, it's just one of those you have to see how it plays out because it's so fresh and the off season yeah. still is a ways to go. But um uh we can move on straight to the Portland Denver series because I really don't yeah. have to do that. Um and like speaking of of um Portland and Dame Oh, so so you saw that notification too, from Chris Haynes? Yeah, it, Dame ain't serious, man. He, he ain't he ain't serious about winning, man. Okay, so before we go in, do you do we want to talk about Dame specifically, <laughs> or do we want to talk about the series first? Get that off the chest. <laughs> I mean, I mean, yeah, we can talk about the series. Um, I mean, Dame he did his thing. That last game was pathetic by him. Um. I didn't like, really catch much of that last game. I just know that uh, he ain't have some help. That's that's how I know. Um, 
I wouldn't even say that. I mean, that fourth quarter was abysmal by him. Like, oh, but for, okay, all right. I mean, I know he didn't have a great game. I knew that, but uh, I didn't. I wasn't gonna. I wasn't really expecting a and, great game. And the, and they smoked the lead too. Oh yeah. Oh, see, I didn't know they had a lead in that game. But um, see, that's what happens when you can't play defense because <laughs> <laughs> worst no defensive safe. rating, one of the worst defensive ratings in like league history they had this year. Like, yeah, but it's not surprising that they blew a lead. It's just, it's just that you just came off of a historic performance. What do you have left? And then you were on the road for that historic performance. And then the guys like CJ McCollum, guys like Robert Covington, were not getting the job done. At least in that game. Yeah, so, in that game they were. I mean, yeah. you have Dame giving you fifty-five, hitting some of the craziest shots I've ever seen. So some of these guys had shots at the rim and they couldn't make it. Like Covington missed two dunks. Point Covington blank. thought he was Vince Carter and started cocking it back all the way. And I'm like, dude, just like dunk just it regular. Put, just put the ball in the basket. That's all we're asking. Just put the ball in the basket and we'll be okay. But <laughs> that series though. Uh, could have went either way because most of yeah, the like I, I I think we said that like from the jump that like I I had to make I had to wait to see a game first to make a prediction, and even then I still was yeah I still couldn't one, make anything of it because every team, game was like a blowout. Yeah, one team would either win by ten or it would come down the stretch for the next game, or then the other team would win by twenty later. Like it was really whoever's hot that day. Um, yeah. And granted to Denver, they won it in six. Uh, Michael Porter Jr., thanks to, I'm not going to say thanks because you never want to see a guy get injured, but um, this is a result of Jamal Murray tearing his ACL. Michael Porter Jr. is now forced to really get buckets if they want to go far in the in the playoffs. And this might serve uh, really nice for them next season. Uh, might be It might throw them off a little bit chemistry-wise, but... I believe the Nuggets can now say they have a possible big three in the making. Um, if Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray can coexist offensively. Oh, for sure. Um, and like um they've they've gotten like the last two games, they've gotten like some really solid production out of um Austin Rivers and Monte Morris. And Monte Morris is one of my favorite backup guards in the league because like he's just so reliable. Yeah, he's been like he got in here. Yeah, and he he just doesn't make mistakes. Like his assisted turnover ratio is like godlike. Like it's just and like game game five he had twenty eight points. Um, game six to close out twenty two, both off the bench twenty two and nine with three steals in the closeout game. Like, he's a, he's an efficient guard. He he's, he's super efficient. Like, he knows his job is to and, and he's able to do it in like a large capacity of minutes too. Because like some guys you see they're efficient, but like they don't play a lot of minutes, so like the efficiency mm-hmm. is kind of skewed. But with him, he's able to play a lot of minutes and still able to be really efficient, not turn off the ball that much. Um, again, Austin Rivers. I mean, Austin Rivers had a good game in Game Five. Game six wasn't so much. He hit one of those dagger threes down the stretch. Um, but him and like should, and him and Aaron Gordon and and, and Composo, they were just shooting the lights out of the ball in this series. Like, I don't know if it's gonna keep up in that Phoenix series, but oof. We're gonna see some yeah, shootouts right. in that next round. 
Yeah, I, yeah, because it's gonna be a lot of a lot of buckets to be had, especially from teams that are uh, not that good defensively. They're about middle of the pack, but those guys, if they if they can't play defense, one thing they can do is shoot the ball. Both of those teams, yeah. So that's gonna be a light up series, possibly another six seven. Um, but of course, let's focus on Damian Lillard, the guy that got the sort of the stick. Well, first uh, I, gotta, I I got to give props to Jokic because you know everyone was cl- everyone was saying Jokic is going to be one of the worst MVPs we've had in like fifty years, but like every I don't know year, how one can say that. yeah, on Twitter they were going crazy about it, but like every year this man elevates his game in the playoffs where his scoring goes up, rebounds, assists, efficiency, like. That man is just like a special talent, and like I just understand how people in the league just don't appreciate that. And he's like, he's like bordering on like a top five, top five player in the league. And like, I mean, game six closeout, thirty six eight and six on fifty three fifty three fifty nine percent from the field, fifty percent from three. And in that game six, in that game five performance, in that double overtime game. He had like 38, 11, and 9, four blocks, 45% from the field, 33% from three. I mean, what more can you ask for an MVP candidate on a team with his number two out? Uh, Yeah, like exactly. Number two option out um forced to more he's getting more attention on defense yep even when we even though people are playing him on the pass he's still putting he's still passing people open and then getting his 30 um what i've realized probably to your point earlier where you said um people are not really appreciating or is probably not appreciating the mvp that he's about to get is possibly because he's not a he's One thing about this league is you get the attention that you bring on yourself Mm -hmm. based on what you say post game or just what you, what you, how are you, you, how you are as a player. We know Jokic as a, I come to work, I get the job done and then I leave. He's not really a boisterous person. He's not, he's not talkative. He's just, I get the job done. Excuse me. So that's probably why you may think, or some people don't really like the fact that he might win MVP is because he's not boisterous with his play or, or his um, demeanor persona. So, but that every superstar is different. Yeah. So he's able to just come in the game and pick you apart. I said it before. He's his IQ is what's underrated. Probably not his MVP, but not as much as the MVP, but his IQ is just like almost second to none. Like people are not realizing how easy it is for him on offense now like it's yeah the game is like super easy for him it's really too easy too easy and people are probably now getting to see that on the national stage if you didn't know that before uh, you probably wasn't watching basketball for the past couple years but yo like Jokic is the real deal he's solidifying his mvp and i it's like what else can you ask for your number two guy goes down and your number one raises his level of play that's what you want in a playoff setting especially when you're hobbled and he can make a finals run without his second best player so we'll see how that goes though <laughs> i'm not gonna say too much on that because you know we still have predictions to uh 
possibly go through and all that other stuff. So Jokic, yeah, to top it off, Jokic really, I don't know how Jokic doesn't get the respect from everybody in his league after this, um, if he hasn't had it already. Yeah. Um. So let's get to Dame. Mm, 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 mm. <laughs> so he does his thing this series. I mean, that last game, like I said, came up kind of kind of short. They blew that lead down the stretch. He was missing a lot of clutch baskets. He usually makes. Maybe he ran out of gas. Who knows? Average like thirty four point three points per game this series. Um, ten point two assists. So he was doing his thing. But you know that last game, it was a bit rough. Like I said, um, and this probably is going to be the last time we see him, CJ, Nurkic, that core group of guys together. Maybe, oh, especially Nurkic based, got, especially based on Nurkic's comments. Nurkic got baked in this series too. Oh man, yeah, he got toasted because he's just a bad defensive big. Like he, he's awful. Like. Uh, just, but, a, just a quick sidebar. If for mm-hmm. those that remember, Nurkic was on the team, was on Denver um, when they got. I think I don't know if they drafted Nurkic and Jokic together, but regardless, I think one was the year before or something yeah, like that. But so they Denver had decided to pick Jokic and trade away Nurkic to to Portland, and look how how much it paid dividends. Looks year. like it worked out pretty well for, yeah. for Denver. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. But yeah, you could go ahead on the on the Dame thing. But yeah, um, yeah, Nurkic's comments after the game, he basically was like, "I'm on a non-guaranteed contract." So his his comments basically sounded like he wasn't gonna be back on the team. Mm-hmm. Um, so it looks like Portland may do a small mini blow up rebuild, but I don't even know because yeah. you know, as of today, Terry Stotts is no longer their coach. It says uh, they mutually agreed to part ways, but that just code word for he was fired. Um. And they're saying Dame is um going to have a say in the head coaching decision. And about, I want to say like 20 minutes ago, mm-hmm. Damian Lillard's guy is Jason Kidd out of all people. Um, okay. In, in, in reaction to, uh, of course, Dame losing and all of this turnover. First, Terry Stotts was... Uh, Let's call it. I mean, Terry Stotts has been there for as long. Damian Lillard has been there. I think nine years, or mm-hmm. or the year before he was tra- or drafted. But regardless, oh, we got another notification as we are recording right now. I didn't even get it yet. Hold on, what you what you talking from about? Shams? Okay, so Portland Trailblazers are increasingly expected to hire Clippers assistant Chauncey Billups or Lakers assistant Jason Kidd. Oh wow. See, the Chauncey Billups one has been floating in the air. That one makes more sense than Jason Kidd. I mean, yeah, in terms of play style of the two different former NBA players. Not even ja- not even that, but just like coaching of Jason Kidd. Jason Kidd's like an, has a horrible track record of, as coach. Like, I mean, I mean, with the Brooklyn team Jason Kidd had, I don't really, I didn't really know. If you really want to put that all on him, I mean, how long was he coaching there for? About two years, two three years, if I remember correctly. One or two years, I think it was. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't that long. But in, in he, firing what, Terry Stotts, I felt like that was just a just a scapegoat thing because you can't really put that on anybody else. I think I think Blazers fans have been calling for their coach to be fired for years, so I think this is something that 
this has been something in 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 the works for a while, and it just took long enough. It took enough first round exits for it to finally happen. <laughs> and <laughs> I think I think Stash just like he probably just lost that locker room. I mean, it's probably stale hearing the same guy tell you the same stuff for like nine years. So it's like, yeah, sure, whatever. And they <laughs> probably just like get, we need to get this dude out of here. Like it's not working. But and, even with a coaching change, though, like like you said, you don't see Nurkis being here. You cannot trade Dame, at least at this point, because his contract doesn't. I think his contract just kicks in that that that, that max contract that he signed. I believe so. Because so. he, he I don't think he's a, um unrestricted free agent till about after the 2023 season, if I'm correct. So it's like you can't trade him now if you if unless he really forces a trade. And then what else are you going to do? You're going to have to trade away the parts around him or at least try to. What are you going to get for CJ? I don't really know. What are you going to get for everybody else on that squad? Not much unless you're, just, <laughs> unless you're exchanging role players at this point with other teams. So the coaching change, at least it looks good in terms of you're trying to make a change and you're giving him you're giving him a um, Cersei and like, okay, I want this coach or this is what I think you guys should go after. But in terms of personnel, you I don't see this team making big changes for him. Like seriously, there's not much they can do anyways. Like you, honestly, my conclusion that I came to is they need to just blow it up. There's no point. They know what this team, they, what their peak is. It's Western Conference Finals exit. They've peaked already. It's done. Portland, blow it up. Dame, time to run from the grind. I know you <laughs> you have this thing about loyalty. It's all BS. It needs to stop. Just please spare right. everyone and just save that franchise from itself and just skate, my guy. Just like request a trade, please. Don't do this. Uh <laughs> I don't know, man, because I don't know what team Dame can go to, at least trade-wise, that will be able to eat up the money. Well, not really eat up, but in terms of exchange the same amount of contracts and still be able to win. Like, I'm really trying to think. The Knicks, you can't... I know the Knicks have been floating in the air because, you know, they're good yeah. again. But I don't think that's a good... If you're, if you're really being realistic, Damian Lillard, at least at this point in his career to the Knicks, doesn't work financially for you guys because he will just be there with a bunch of young guys and it's not going to work well i mean financially it works if you like because we do have cap space so we can like send out some young player contracts first round picks and you you, you could send those out and then what do you sign what like what do you who are you getting to put alongside him because i see that's the thing a lot of like a lot of knicks fans like this has been a huge debate today because you know knicks fans the thing about knicks fans on twitter is don't don't give us a day off with no games, especially <laughs> with our team not playing because madness will ensue. Nothing, like, nothing but rumor central. <laughs> one rumor comes out and it is a civil war on the timeline about who should be included in what hypothetical trade for a player that hasn't even axed out yet. Like, it's just insanity. Like today I was just scrolling down Twitter and I was just like. Oh boy, it's one of those days, huh? It's a slow news day, and one rumor came out from not even a. I wouldn't say it's a qualified 
source or anything. I mean, Stephen A. Smith, you really believe in Stephen A. Smith after all the BS he's been spewing for all these years about. I, so, I know where you're going with this. I watched that live. Yeah. Uh, so, like, come on. Oh, Carl fans, sounds rumor BS. Knicks fans, we, we, you should know better. Stephen A. Smith is not giving you anything that you can't make up by yourself. Like, come on. But, um, yeah, I mean, I feel like Portland has to blow it up. These names that Dame is picking, I feel like Dame's just picking names out of a hat right now. Like, Jason Kidd, really? Like, he hasn't shown anything that he can be a coach that's going to lead you to a championship if that's your real goal, Damian Lillard. Like, like what is Jason Kidd going to bring to the table? Like, one thing that I, one thing that Jason Kidd is renowned for besides his, you know, his legal issues um, is... Um, I forgot about those legal issues. Yeah, can't, can't, forget, can't forget about those legal issues. But one thing that I will always remember him for is messing up Giannis's jump shot. Oh, I, oh, I, you put that on him. Yeah. I want everyone to go watch videos of Giannis in his first year in the league, how he was shooting. And then watch as the years progress under Jason Kidd, how worse and worse his form gets. I just want you to take a look at that. Just, just, just a little experiment for all the listeners at home. Um, but yeah, do that, and then and then come back to me, and then we can compare notes, and then we can find out who the real culprit is behind Giannis's disappearing jump shot. But um, now, I'll have to, I'll have to look into that because I didn't really pay attention to that. That's something I, I I've always paid attention to very closely, and I put that solely on him. Um, but yeah, um, Dame isn't serious about winning. If those are the two names that he's picking out, no offense to either of those two gentlemen. I'm sure they're doing an excellent job in their assistant roles, and they probably should stick to those roles. But um, yeah, Dame isn't serious about winning. If those are the two names that he's picking, sorry. I don't, I just think his there's nothing for him out there yet. Like I think he. For for Dame to possibly go to a location, so he's got to be a lame duck then, basically. Yeah, at least for like that's why he has this say so in the head coach. He's gonna have to be sitting there for at least a year or two, because if <sighs> that's if he, tough. Ex- my point, because if he's gonna try to look, if he's gonna try to go somewhere after this off season, he of course has to wait to see who the champion is, right? Because I doubt Damian Lillard would go to a team that's already loaded. Cool. Um, after that, then he has to see the different free agents, the different moving parts, see where they go, see how each team money is. Like when you really think about it, Dame can't go nowhere. And that's slightly Dame's fault for, for picking up a big contract like this. And especially in the length of time, if he decided to go, okay, I'm going to sign a two plus one with me having a plus with me, with him having a, um, a player option after two years, then you could have looked at it like, okay, you put yourself in a position to get money and also flexibility as a player to move around. Yes, you're not that type of player, but you have to look at it as you nah, it's, it's, it's just loyalty running through Dame's veins. That's it. That's, that's what I'm saying. Like that, that's that's why that contract is really beastie. And he's like he might be in the same boat as his current teammate in Carmelo Anthony. Carmelo Oof. Anthony in 2014 was not supposed to re-sign with the Knicks. Well, if he I, was, I don't know he how you signed for a shorter deal. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't know if you remember how that offseason went, but... Yeah, Carmelo, it was between us and Chicago, I believe. And Carmelo Anthony chose the money. And I'm just like, bro, if you go to Chicago, you're going to be in playoff contention. 
playing up against your best friend, LeBron James. Let's see how that goes. And, of course, you know Chicago is a big market, so somebody would have came. You would have got some free agent. You would have got some trade, something. Well, I mean, it was no, like him, D Rose, and Jimmy, and Tibbs. yeah, like Jimmy. It was it was when Jimmy was coming up as his own player. That was probably post. Uh, this was definitely either after the first ACL tear by D Rose or the second one. But regardless, he was still back as a player. So it's like, all right, the offense isn't on D Rose. It would be more so on Carmelo and Jimmy, but. But, of course, Carmelo did what he did. He was loyal to New York, and it was kind of to a fault because they kind of ruined his career after that. Um, and I hope Damian Lillard, I hope it doesn't go the same way because when you look at it, they both signed for the money thinking they could bring bring riches to the squad, and it, it might not happen. And now he's, like, Damian Lillard is currently in his career limbo. Like, certain certain superstars have that point in their career where it's like, okay, do I do I stay loyal? Do I chase the money and the chips, or do I just chase the chips because the money will come either way? Because I'm that good, and yeah. and Damon Lillard, as of right now, has chosen the money and the loyalty. Of course, that Instagram post will be will be broadcasted everywhere, all over the <laughs> networks. And I mean, that's probably just frustration because you know social media brings all that. So he's probably just frustrated and had to that was one of his ways of voicing his frustration to the world mm-hmm. and to Portland specifically. But but bro, you about to you, like it's hard. It's hard for a player like that who you know doesn't cheat us as fans, doesn't cheat the game. He's all about buckets, he's all about getting the job done no matter what. And then his team is going to let him down or his organization slightly because of him being in a small market but this is all this is all dame's fault in terms of (laughs) like for real bro like you like you know owners are not gonna try to take on so much money and it is like because look uh, this is my last point before i before i end my rant but like in my comparison to carmelo look what happened when denver nuggets traded carmelo anthony to the new york knicks when Carmelo got to that squad, outside of Amari Stoudemire and Jason Kidd, who was really left on that squad for Carmelo to work with once the trade happened? Um, because after that, it was just Amari Stoudemire and some guys. Landry Fields, yeah. Um, but your core, what made the Knicks at least somewhat competitive for, for Carmelo to say, okay, let me go over there and see what I can do. They all went to Denver. Like, all... Yep. They all that supporting cast, Danilo Gallinari and all those guys, all went to Denver. So Carmelo got there and had to had to had to run the show more than he was supposed to. And then Amari started Amari gets injured a couple of times, and that was all she wrote. Yeah. Um, so it's like, so imagine Dame gets traded by somebody, tr- gets traded to somebody, and all the depth that that team might have had will now be gone when he gets there. So. Yeah, that's the thing that a lot of Knicks fans were arguing for today because they were like, "Hey, we trade all our young pieces, and who's Damon? Who's Damon? Um, Randall gonna play with?" That's what I'm saying. You gonna have Damon Julius Randall, like, <laughs> and like, people are hoping, "Oh, hey, if Kawhi says, hey, I want to come here, but trade for Dame, that's the only time you do it.'" So, like, like it's crazy. Like, 
Yeah, like you, you're only trading the house if you already have a legit superstar or two on your roster. And if you have two superstars on your roster, they're more than likely taking up a lot of money. So you're going to have to find some extra money somewhere. And it will have to be a big market team. It's not going to be some small market team that is just hoping for some for some player to fill the seats. So it's going to be hard for Dame. And I'm, I'm sorry I said it last pod, but he is really in danger of never going back to the Western Conference Finals. Like, for real. And yeah. that, like, it's it's sad, and it's looking like it. And you don't want it to because those are one of the – Dame is one of my – slowly becoming one of my favorite players in the A, specifically point guards. But even though Kyrie is my favorite point guard to watch and, you know, but he's – it's sad. You just you just feel for a guy because after, after that 55-point game, it's like, damn, what do I got to do? And every superstar comes to that point. If they don't win early, they, they're going to have a performance in the playoffs that they might lose. And it's like, damn. Like this, this is all I got. This is this is all my squad got. Like we can't go no further. It happened with LeBron. It happened with KD. It happened with Melo to a little bit. I wouldn't say it happened with Kobe because he stayed there the whole time and his organization was able to provide. So that's probably one, one exception. But every other James Harden, every other superstar in this league has come to a point where it's like, okay, is it me or is it you? And most of the times they say it's it's the other people. So it's just hopefully Dame gets it together or his organization gets it together or somebody just says, you know what? Dame is big time. Let me let me let me come to Portland. But who's really going to Portland? Nobody. And and that's 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 always been the issue there. So I mean, hey, if he wants those two two bald headed point guards to be his coach, I mean, all power to him. Um. Yeah, let's get into some predictions for round two. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, first matchup we got is in the East: Philly versus Atlanta. Uh, quick series. If okay, so of course there's a stipulation behind this. Mm. Um, if Joel Embiid, I don't think it's looking like Joel Embiid might not play game one. It's still probably like up in the air. But I believe that game is tomorrow, yes, or in a few hours since today is officially Saturday. But, um, hmm, okay, depending on how many games Joel Embiid plays, I see this. If Joel Embiid is not playing first game, this this might go 6-7. Um, just because I'm looking at what Atlanta did last series. But can they guard Philly? That's to be determined. So if Joel Embiid does not play for a couple games, this goes 6 if Joel Embiid is there from start, I got Philly in five. Yeah, I got Philly in five as well. I just feel like that size is really going to bother Trey. Um, and I feel like their defense, Philly's defense is, like, our defense was physical, but, like, they have, like, even bigger bodies than we do to, mm-hmm. like, make a living hell for those guys, like, Trey and like little soft Kevin Herter and John Collins who cries at every screen that that, <laughs> that those guys get. Yo, like I'm sorry, I gotta I gotta I gotta rant about this just for a little bit. Like these guys, they were crying from the beginning of the series. Nate McMillan was like, "Oh, the NBA favors the Knicks. They're gonna call the games a certain way." Blah blah blah. Meanwhile, he has the the free throw king on his on his team. 
And then after like the first two games, John Collins and Kevin Herter and them are crying about illegal screens and their fans are crying about illegal screens. And, and they're up three, one going into game five. And they're still crying about us playing quote unquote dirty while we play physical basketball. I mean, I just, I, I, I just can't wait for Philly to snuff them in the mouth so they can have something to really cry about because they <laughs> haven't seen nothing yet. Like this is playoff basketball. Like just suck it up and just, just hoop like, but yeah, that's, that's, that's my little rant. I hope Philly absolutely wipes the floor with them. I can't wait to see Dybul and, and Danny green and, and Ben Simmons guard Trey young and all those guys like, it's gonna be a. I hope it's a defensive masterclass. I really do. Um, let's get into probably the best second round series, or probably the best series in general. These playoffs we'll probably see is Bucks versus the Nets. Oh man! Oh man! Uh, so Bucks versus Nets is probably what we've been waiting on, or one of the matchups we've been waiting on as fans. Um, we're, we've been waiting on Brooklyn to get properly tested either by Philly or Milwaukee. So Philly, mm-hmm. Milwaukee is the first matchup. Um, I think I was kind of torn at least most times through the season in saying, okay, which, which, which team is the better matchup fan wise or just regular that will put up a challenge for Brooklyn. Excuse me. And I was I always thought it was Joel Embiid because his ability to play big and and draw all of that attention. But Philly seems to be I don't know, Philly not Philly. Milwaukee seems to be uh better equipped to guard them on the wings. Yep. Um in terms of their guards, Kyrie and James Harden. Um damn, but I, I got this going seven. Uh, the difference maker will be the matchup of KD and Giannis because I believe they will be guarding each other this series. Um, well, probably more PJ Tucker on KD, but yeah, I could see Giannis getting some. Reps I was on thinking PJ Tucker, but we we've already seen that KD can take advantage of PJ. PJ can turn it into a one on one game. That's how good defensively he is. Like I've seen him be able to like bait Kevin Durant into taking jump shots he probably shouldn't. Not yeah, because he, he starts he starts to get into Katie's legs, and you know that wears on him during the course of a game and yeah, a series. Like, so. Yeah, we saw that during those Golden State and Houston battles over yep. the years. So, but that matchup of Katie and Giannis, I think Giannis is gonna, is gonna take it upon himself to make sure, like, yo, I'm the reigning DPOY, even though he doesn't always show it, um, and I need to show everybody that I'm here, like. This is my third time making a run at the finals. And each time there's some superstar in my way. And this time I will not let it happen. That it will be determined because Kevin Durant is still Kevin Durant. Still a walking 30 ball, no matter what happens. Um, but the key in the series will definitely be Kevin Durant. My uh prediction. Ay, ay, ay. This is hard because it can go either way, but it could be a smoke session on one side. So, um, damn, I really, because I, I don't, I want to pick Milwaukee, but they haven't shown enough. And then yeah, at, the same, 
At the same time, I want to pick Brooklyn, but they haven't been fully tested yet. So it's like, are they going to cruise through this series as they did last series? I got or- Bucks in six. You you got Bucks in six. Oh, you man. you know me with my confident predictions. I had Suns in six. I was right about that. I got Bucks in six. I mean, you were right about that because of injury, though, not because of flat out. Whatever happens, happens. You're I mean, right. You're right. Whatever happens, happens. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, mm. I think Giannis mm. takes mm. this personally, especially against Harden. Harden's been talking a lot of smack about him the last, last couple of years. years. Yeah, that so. is true. That is definitely true. He had a little hot take earlier, but oh, man. Am I really about to bet against Mr. Easy Money Sniper, though? Uh, I want to see James Harden fold under those bright lights again. So, <laughs> You know what? I got this going seven. Game seven is in Milwaukee. No, I lied. It's going to be in game, Brooklyn. Game seven is definitely in Brooklyn. That whack-ass Barclays crowd, man. Yeah, that, that Barclays crowd ain't nothing. I'm not even going to lie to you. <laughs> that's, that's not home court. So I'm, I'm going to still try to go to one of their games, though. But <laughs> uh, but I'm going to go Brooklyn in seven, man. I just feel that KD might pick apart that matchup. I'm not saying I want to see it. I don't want to. I don't want to see it happen because at this point, you know, my favorite guy out of the out of the playoffs is screw every other superstar in this league. But um, yeah, I'm gonna go with the Mister Trey Five Easy Money Sniper. He will be the difference. James Harden and Kyrie will have you know subpar games for most of this series as they try to go up against Drew Holiday and PJ Tucker and all those guys defensively. Um, for what I'll say is this: Milwaukee is gonna win this series only, and only if their bench shows up each and every game. If their bench doesn't show up, and by bench I mean the Divincenzo's. I, I hopefully I, Divincenzo's. Uh, Divincenzo's out. He did, I, that's what I was thinking. I'm like, isn't he hurt? Yeah, he's um, out for the whole playoffs. But for like the whole playoffs, it's the whole yeah. playoffs. Damn. So you see, yeah, I, I, see, that's how I know. But, Bren, but like Bren Forbes, Bobby Porter's, PJ Tucker, those guys. They're yeah, they're, they're, they're gonna have a. They can. They're gonna need to shoot the shoot the basketball. Like they're gonna have to keep up with Brooklyn's scoring because you know if Brooklyn don't play defense, they're gonna still shoot the rock. So <sighs> Milwaukee only wins if that bench can rival, like put up big numbers, thirties and the forties, thirties and forties in bench points. I mean, they did it last series and they did it with ease. And this Milwaukee, this Brooklyn defense isn't really that hard to score on, at least from like an outsider perspective, looking at NBA players score on them. Mm-hmm. So I, I have the utmost confidence in guys like Bobby Portis, rugged dog, PJ Tucker, rugged dog. I don't think these guys are going to be scared of the moment against Brooklyn. So copy, copy. I see your take. I, I'll be, I'll be watching for real for that. To see if you got really Milwaukee in six. I'm a, I'm a really I do. <laughs> like, I've been saying Bucks in six for a couple days now. Like, I don't want to, like, like I am on record of saying this is a different Milwaukee team, but it is. They got the Brook, they got Brooklyn in the second round. Like, that's, that's tough. Like, it is tough. <laughs> but I got faith in Giannis to make a historic run this year. He seems like he's on a mission and he he's added some tools to his game that people are not paying attention to. Like, he's added the 10 to 15 
foot range shot, nah, he, yeah, the turnaround had. basket, the footwork in the paint has improved. Like all that type of stuff, I'm I'm watching. I'm 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 looking to see what what guys add to their game over the years. And he's not the same run and dunk man that everyone likes to call him. He, he's not doing the HB dive anymore. He, he he's, <laughs> the he, HB dive. He, he he's added <laughs> tools to his game. So you know. that's a throwback. Ah oh, man. <laughs> but all but right. He, Next one one we got is Phoenix versus Denver. Sadly, my Lakers should be in the spot, but it's okay. (laughs) Uh, I see this going seven. Yeah, Uh, I got it going seven, too. I can't. um, You know what? I'm going to have respect for the team that just beat us, and hopefully Chris Paul is, is healthy. Chris Paul might go to the Western Conference Finals. That's who I got. I got him in uh it could go seven, but I got him in six. Yeah, I got Phoenix in, in, in seven as well. I just feel like Phoenix Phoenix, while they're able to like keep up with that shooting that um Denver has, they're also able to play defense. Word. And that, that that matters in the playoffs. I, mean, I know my Knicks were stouted for defense, but you know, they didn't have the offensive firepower that Phoenix does. Phoenix is a top ten defense in the league for a reason. Mm-hmm. And they also got the offensive firepower to make sure you pay on that end as well. So. One thing offensively that I saw from Phoenix's series with the Lakers was their ability to hit the corner three. Yep. Um, Mikal Bridges really cannot miss from out there lately. Um, Cam Johnson is a threat. Jay Crowder uh, started getting it on. I, I mean, Jay Crowder can do it, but after this series, me and Jay Crowder are not really mans. Me and Jay Crowder was never really mans, period. But, uh, you know, if he wants to salsa dance all over the court, you know, you got <laughs> to salsa dance in this next series to show that you're about that. And you're not just a a, a dog that, that, that barks only when his team is up. So, um, Phoenix side, they, DeAndre Ayton. It's going to be the matchup of DeAndre Ayton versus Jokic. Can can he contain Jokic to an extent, or can he at least match him offensively? Because if he can't match him offensively, then Jokic is going to have a field day, field day just passing it around, spreading the offense, creating shots for others. And then on the Denver side, MPJ. Um, can MPJ take that next step as a young as a young bucket that he is and prove people why he should have been that number one overall pick in the year that he went and not drop down to like the, what the fifth, the 14th or 15th pick. And um, yeah, that's those, those are my two keys for Denver. It's Michael Porter jr. Um, and then for, for Phoenix is the ability to shoot the corner three and their big man production. Once, if those two teams can do what I just did just said, then it's an easy seven games. Um, but Phoenix in six, hopefully Chris Paul isn't too banged up because that right shoulder slash neck is still a problem. I, it still is, but he's able to play through it as the savvy point guard he is. Yeah, he was mixing dudes with like one arm the other day. I was just like, yo, <laughs> like, yo, like, what are you, <laughs> like, how are you doing this with one and a half arms right now? And now nah, go ahead. But yeah, um. I'm looking to see another big series from Devin Booker. DeAndre Ayton's got to got to got to meet uh, got to accept that challenge against um Jokic. That is a tough task, especially the way Jokic performs in the playoffs. Like I said, every year in the playoffs he elevates his game. So 
He's got to match that intensity. He's got to bring it every single time he's on the court. And, like, when they go small, I don't know, because, like, usually they give Aiden a little rest, and they go small because they don't really have a true backup big. Like, usually they'll go, like, either Saric, maybe they'll bring in Frank Kaminsky, Tory Craig, Jay Crowder. So, you know, they do it by committee, committee so it's going to be interesting to see how they do that because – I saw Portland try to do the same thing a little bit, but, you know, Robert Covington is not the same type of guy as those guys. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do with um, the minutes that Aiden is not on the court. I feel like those are going to be important for what Jokic does. And um, just, like, got to get out to those shooters on Denver because, you know, Denver, they lit it up against Portland. But, you know, Portland's a worse defensive team than Phoenix is. So it's going to be interesting to see that battle there. Yeah, the, especially the guard matchup. Uh, Compazzo's defense against Chris Paul or Devin Booker is something I also want to look at. Uh, well, you know he's going to annoy the hell out of both of them. Yeah, that's that's what I want to look at because the way he annoyed Damian Lillard to a little bit is what I want to see. Can he bring that same energy to two, to two guys that have the same mindset as Dame? I will shoot this rock. Like, I will create separation. Like, if yep. I really have to, I will get this bucket. So I'm I'm going to look at that as well. That's one more, I guess, possible key for Denver is Composo's defense on those two premier guards. Yep. And last but not least, we got Utah versus either Dallas or the Clippers. We don't know yet, but. Yeah, I, I envision seven games no matter who it is. Yeah. Me, me too. Yeah, can't pick that winner yet, of course, because one of these teams got to win. But that's an easy seven games. Utah is literally on the verge of going to the Western Conference Finals, no matter who they play. Um, no. Hopefully, they keep their groove and bring it into the second round. Whoever, if it's a, if it's a, I'll say this: whoever comes out of that Clipper Dallas series um, is already battle tested. And I've said I've said this on numerous occasions for a team that is aspiring for championship um, championship success. uh, Adversity is something you must go through Mm -hmm. no matter what round it is to get to the promised land. You must be able to go through the fire and come out better than you than you went in. So whoever whoever this is, they're going to be able to look at Utah and say, why can't I beat you? Like. What makes you think that you're better equipped to beat me than I am to you? You just came out of a quick series. I just came out of a hard-fought series. So now yeah. when, when the things get tough, I know what are my I know what plays I want to go to. I know what things I'm looking for on the court. So whoever comes out of that series is gonna give Utah a run for their money. For sure. And it's gonna be it's gonna be a shootout regardless, because you know, all three of these teams like to shoot the three. Mm-hmm. Very high volume. Utah and the Clippers, especially, they are like two of the teams that take like the most threes, and they were two of the teams that shot like the best from three too. So it's going to be very, very interesting to see how those teams match up if it's if it is those two. And then with um the Mavericks, they also like to hit a lot of threes too. So you know, we're we're headed towards some very interesting matchups in the second round. Beautiful. Uh, with most of these big name superstars out, it's getting real. Uh, 
is getting real basketball savvy in terms of teams scrapping for what they believe they deserve. And all the big names or most of the big names on the West side are no longer there. Uh, now these are the, the teams that have been scrapping all season for their respective spots. Yeah. I I believe that is all we got for today. Ryan, let the people know where they can find you at once again. Well, uh, you can find us at Sawyer Potent Live for the podcast uh, on the personal stuff, Sway Hendricks, Sway H-N-D-R-X-X. And uh, hopefully you tune in. I'll be having the next episode for my platform in the next week as I record on Monday. So just look out for that. All right. And for me, you already know all the links will be in the description to the podcast website. Um, whatever I'm doing on the Nick site at the Strickland, make sure you follow that on Twitter as well. Always putting out great content. Um, and yeah, that's it. <laughs>